What's up, y'all? I want to talk to you about the Aubrey Marcus weekend coming up. It's going to be in Los Angeles, November 10th and 11th. We've got a laundry list of dope coaches, including myself, Kyle Kingsbury, Mr. Aaron Alexander, who's been a guest on my show, as well as Aubrey's to help with yoga and movement patterns, Christine Hassler, who's an incredible coach, Whitney Miller, Aubrey's fiance. We'll be talking about relationships and many other personal ways to transform your body, your mind, your emotionals, your spirit. We'll be talking about personal transformative practices from physical optimization to mental, emotional, and spiritual. Duncan Trussell's going to come in for a speech, and Chris Ryan might even show up. Chris Ryan's a fucking man. (laughs) I would love it if he showed up. So we've got just a laundry list of great people there. We're going to do all sorts of practices from walking meditation, breath work out on the beach, ecstatic dance, yoga, how to stretch and move properly, and just really anything that we find to be the best practices we know of personally, we're going to share with you guys. And we'll have intimate conversations, the ability for private dinners, and all sorts of cool things are going to go down here November 10th and 11th in Los Angeles. Go to aubreymarcus.com slash weekend for more. All right, guys, we're calling this one Group Love. Might not sound that interesting to the meathead audience we have, and it's okay. I, I, I might be... a uh, fall into that category as well. But let me tell you, uh, this was one of the funnest podcasts I've ever laid down. Originally was supposed to be just Dr. Kirk Parsley, who is a former Navy SEAL slash athlete, became a medical doctor, became a medical doctor for the Navy SEALs. Uh, I first heard him on the Paleo Solution podcast with Rob Wolf. Uh, wealth and knowledge. He took like over 400 seals and got them off of Ambien and other sleep medications, put them on his all natural Kirk Parsley sleep remedy and saw 400% increases in testosterone, growth hormone, and many other biomarkers for health and longevity. Fascinating dude. Uh, but he was like, you know, um, I'd like you to go on my girl's show, Christina's. I was like, yeah, of course, man, let's do a little swap. And I was like, maybe she could come on too with you if you want. And he's like, yeah, I don't know. Well, I'll ask her. And then he was hanging out with JP Sears and Amber Sears, newlyweds. And they were all talking and got to chatting about this upcoming podcast and like, you know, we should all go on. And so Kirk ran it by me and I was like, yeah, man, fucking, I'm not going to say no to the JP and Amber. Like, of course they can come on. So we had the four of them with myself. And of course, my wife and I usually pick up some optimized coffees in the Onnit Cafe here every morning. So they arrive and they see uh, my wife, Natasha, and they're like, oh, that's so great. You're going to be joining us. And she was like, uh, I wasn't. And I was like, well, fuck, one more, more the merrier. Let's see if we got six mics. So we all had our significant others by our side in this six-way podcast that was for sure uh, the largest group I've ever recorded with. Um, We talked about spirituality. We talked about ayahuasca. We talked about uh, the shortcomings of terms like biohacking and and really what matters in life. And um, We give some great tips on how to level up your consciousness and think better and get the most out of life, how you maximize this experience we have here on earth. And that, uh, you know, really that's, that's in the end of the conversation. I I realized we went down the rabbit hole on plant medicines for some time. And I just mentioned, Hey, let's all go around the round table and give at least some one or two good examples of things you can do, uh, if you're not willing to take psychedelics. So stay tuned for that. If you're not down with the first part of the conversation, 
and I know you guys are going to fucking dig this one. It was, it was absolutely incredible. Uh, just a wealth of awesome people with great ideas that are all woke as fuck. Thanks for tuning in. We can probably just start right where we were. So before we jump into this new podcast JP's going to do, let's all go around the table, state our names, and uh, why we decided to come on the show today. (laughs) 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 And uh, yeah, I'll start. Kyle Kingsbury, host of the podcast, and uh, uh, absolute pleasure to have everyone here in attendance. And we've even included my wife. So we'll, we'll go to the left clockwise. Natasha Kingsbury, wife of the host, mother to his child, Bear. Uh, yeah, that's me. And I kind of got pulled into this, about to leave. And in the cafe. In the cafe. So here I am. Hi. <laughs> Hi, I'm Amber Sears and a uh, new wife to JP. Uh, I'm very excited to be here. I love you guys. I'm just excited to have a great conversation. And uh, yeah, we just moved here about a month and a half ago. So new to Austin, but loving it. Yeah. And I'm JP Sears. Uh, The reason why I'm here today is I'm going through a transition and I'm, I'm coming out as a redhead. I'm no longer in denial of my true identity. So I'm a ginger and Kyle, you've been one of my greatest support systems. You've been hiding it for so long. I just wanted to give you the the, the really the platform to come out and tell the world. Yeah. Kyle's actually still hiding his by shaving it, right? He's, he's in denial. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cue ball. <laughs> Hi, Christina Wise. I'm here because Kirk dragged me over and wanted to have a fun conversation. So here I am. I am Kirk Parsley. I doctor, doctor Kirk Parsley. If I want to be pretentious, um, I'm here just because Kyle and I got to know each other at Paleo FX and just decided we had some cool stuff to talk about. And our egos determined that everyone else should hear what we talk about. And uh, just thought it'd be fun to pull in some more people and do something other than the normal one-on-one podcast. Yeah. Plus, I'm scared of Kyle. I don't like being in the same room with him alone. <laughs> so we, need, we need backup. <laughs> there is a level of importance to this conversation we're going to have, right? Yes. It's really important people yes. hear it. In, in serious, and Kyle, I have to interrupt. I've just been inspired by Kirk. I now identify as a doctor. <laughs> so would you guys all please mind acknowledging me as a doctor? Dr. Sears. Thank you. A Dr. Sears. You. Are you a you medical dead. doctor or a, a PhD? I'm, I'm a, a PhD medical doctor and gangster rapper. Ooh, Ooh, the doctor. doctor from the Dre. Come all on, right, now. I get that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got all the doctors. You could be a quad doc if you're a JD. J- I'm not smart enough JP to know. and JD. We, we didn't learn about that in my residency, Kirk. <laughs> the Jewish doctor. <laughs> Lawyer. But not an ED. No, you don't want ED. You don't want the ED. Man, the name. Y'all with your terms. <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> going. <laughs> So what's it like being here in Austin? And you you didn't you moved out here, Kirk, not long ago, right? Well, I've, I've you been were in, in Encinitas for a while. No, San, San Diego. Diego. Okay. Yeah. Um, I was. I mean, the Navy took me out to San Diego in 1989, and I've kind of been there ever since. Uh, but I moved back here um, about three years ago. But I was living in New Braunfels. I couldn't decide if I was going to live in Austin or San Antonio. And I said, oh, I'll just get a place in between and then look in both places. And then I just end up working and never looking. And so. Is that where Schlitterbahn is? It's a little, yeah, Schlitterbahn's a little south, maybe not. I mean, you know, a few miles south. So, yeah. Schlitterbahn. Schlitterbahn. It's a big water park. I think someone got hurt there. 
Yeah, I'm in sure Kansas a lot of City. people got hurt there. It's, it's a very unsanitary place. Oh, it was in Kansas City? That was a Kansas City. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Maybe I mean, it's not it, here Like, if you picture though. a giant trailer park that has water slides in it, that's what Schlierbahn mm, is like. Sounds like a yeah. party. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> and they do serve alcohol. Yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> it could almost be rude if they didn't. Yeah. And you're responsible. There's definitely good people watching. Yeah, it's amazing people watching. Yeah. 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 So what are some fun topics we can toss out here to talk amongst ourselves about? Uh, I remember you moderating a discussion we had at Paleo FX, and um, that was, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, um, it wasn't the death of the American male. Was it on biohacking? It was on biohacking. That's a lame th- fucking topic. I think Kyle and Mich- <laughs> I, yeah, I think Kyle and uh, Mich- or I'm sorry, Keith and Michelle. Um, put me on there to start some shit because I hate, I hate the term biohacking. I just, I despise it as you probably picked up on. So I was like poking people and the only, I mean, the only person on the stage who really had anything valid to say, in my opinion, was you like, you know, these other people are, this is their identity. They're biohackers. And, you know, they just have all this rigmarole and all their science, you know, that they've extracted from, you know, very, very distant, extrapolation from the actual data now they've concluded well since this says that then we know this will happen and so now they think they're biohacking and to me you know a, a hack obviously means that you're taking a shortcut you you want a result without doing the work and that doesn't exist it just doesn't i mean it might exist short term but it's not a healthy way to go through your life you know uh you know like i asked some of the people were their favorite biohacker and one guy said hydration I'm like, that's not a biohacker. Like, that's biology. That's just normal human physiology. There's nothing bio. And does he no, have a $12,000 e-course <laughs> teaching the biohack yeah. of hydration? Yeah. yeah, and he probably has one of those reverse yeah, right, pH right systems. Ratio, yeah. 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 Yep. So, right salt ratio. What was fun about that as well is that Kirk was the moderator, and I was behind him watching. And this is a different world for me. I live in a completely different world as far as my audience and my message and what in the work that I do. But I'm there, obviously, to support him and to be with him. And so I'm watching this on stage with all of you on stage and Kirk moderating this. And I already know how he feels about biohacking. So I'm thinking, okay, this is going to be fun. <laughs> but so there was the, all the panelists. And then there was this man on the end who's, you know, just sitting up there, pretty quiet, good looking, obviously kind of fits the part. And it was Kyle at the end. And so- I thought you were talking about Ben Greenfield. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so- Everyone else, Kirk's asking the questions, and they have these things that they're saying. And by the end of it, whenever you would answer the questions, Kyle, like, they were just such good answers. And it wasn't the bullshit that everybody else was saying. And I didn't know who you were, and I don't even think, I mean, Kirk knew your name, but he would never really met you before. So afterwards, we both said, who is that? I asked, like, who is that Kyle guy? Like, he was amazing. And he's somebody we'd want to know. And Kirk said, I feel the same way. Like all of the other stuff was just bullshit. But he had something good to say, but no ego. And you're just there in your presence and and saying what you had to say. And anyway, that's really the beginning of this because Kirk wanted to reach out to get to know you because he thought that's that's like a real person up there and and has something good to say as opposed to everything else that really the whole panel became about everything else that wasn't important. So yeah, it anyway. Was, it was like five individual performances of their dogma. Yeah. Uh, okay. Other than yeah. Kyle was just up there actually answering the question mm. and, you know, having something deep and profound sometimes to say. But, <laughs> I mean, like, what's your favorite supplement? And everybody <laughs> listened to creatine and all the fun stuff. And I just said, LSD. Yeah. <laughs> favorite supplement. Yeah. So it's for sure the best what's supplement. Your, what's your favorite biohack? And you're like, microdosing LSD. And I was like, <laughs> 
let's run with this. <laughs> I, I got, like, you got him, you got me intrigued, right? Um, mm-hmm. and but he I, also he was also saying as well is that you know my favorite biohack is my family. You know, my wife and my boy, and that's what all this is about. And all this other stuff yes. is is really yes. just the game and you know, it's it's the part we play. But at the at the end of the day, if I can't spend time with them and my life isn't about that, what is all of the rest of this? And that really spoke to us. We're like, yeah. oh my gosh, like a really good answer, the right answer, the real <laughs> yeah. answer. Yeah. And that's the message that we try to when you know, with our brands joining, that's really our message is that you know. All of this, everything we read, everything we practice, everything we work, every you know, every every little tweak we're trying to do to our body, <clears throat> we're either trying to create more money or we're trying to create better health, longevity, more resiliency. But why do we want those things? We want those things so that we can have meaningful relationships, right? Whether they're personal or business or intimate or whatever, that's what that's what we're doing all this for. Um, which is why we want you guys to come to our next event because that's exactly what the events are about. But that's an aside. Um, just, we'll a little, just a little social pressure. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah, I, I think I, now that you say that, I, I totally remember when you said that, I turned back and looked at her and she was like, oh. yes. <laughs> I was like, yeah, Finally, this is our it's guy. It's not about biohacking and the latest supplement or nootropic. It's about who we care about and what we love. And that's the reason all this other stuff is just experimentation or seeing what helps us be better at that. Yeah. And then the first time we hung out with JP and Amber was just like a week ago, a week and a yeah. half ago. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, we'd met at Seal Fit like almost a year ago, I think yeah. close to a year ago. And, uh, same thing, like within the first 30 minutes, we're like, all right, these are our people. Like most of the people, I mean, even the people we bring over to our house, they're blah, 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 blah. Okay. like, you know, they're nice enough. They're okay. Like, you know, we're, they're people we have relationships with, but they're not like our people, like our tribe. Mm. So this is our tribe. Yeah. I love it. And we're going to have a little blood ceremony afterward. Then. <laughs> yeah, I'd, Perfect. I'd love that. Yeah. You know, something that, that occurs to me hearing you talk, Kirk, is it's almost like a biohack to see through our own bullshit. And I think like the biohacking world, much like any other world where people self-identify with their practices and their philosophies, it's like when we start to think we are what we do, we are 100% full of shit. And I've (laughs) done a whole video series on how that happens in spirituality and it sure as hell happens in health. So I, 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 one of the things I admire most in people is their ability to see through other people's bullshit. But what I admire 100% the most is when people can see through their own bullshit. Yeah. When we can see like, yeah, I do all this health stuff, but here's what's most real connecting relationships and LSD for Kyle. (laughs) (laughs) You know, not necessarily the electrodes like that might be cool, but you know, it's like having a conversation. What's the fancy biohack for exercise? Like, yeah, doing it. Right. It's, it's a pretty non-bullshit, maybe pretty authentic way of looking at it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well said. Yeah, and even beyond that, what I thought was so cool about this, and Tasha, I'm so gr- I'm just really happy that you sat in on this. Is that how many couples are out there like really living life fully together as a team? Like, let's go, let's go at this and really live life and make this about something about us and something bigger. And that's why we loved meeting and spending time with you two, because you guys are just 
in it together and you just, the way you love and admire each other and spending time just seeing how much you care and support the other one is really uncommon these days. And, and then, you know, Kirk went to lunch with Kyle and what did they end up talking about? So much about their relationships and what they care yeah. about. And he's like, I can't wait for you to meet Natasha. You're going to love her. And I heard so many <laughs> I don't even know her yet, her. but you're going to love her. <laughs> <laughs> I first heard JP on the Ben Greenfield show. And, and when it comes to that, like, uh, I, I, I didn't know you were a Facebook sensation and I didn't know that you were also really funny. So when I heard you kind of, you were talking about all the key points that his listener base, including myself, want to hear about keto, all this different mm-hmm. stuff. But it was in a way that was, you know, it was a mockery of the whole thing. And it was so hilarious. You're talking about having more butter in your coffee than actual coffee. That's how keto you are. <laughs> Things like that, you know, like to illustrate to illustrate the the absurdity of it. But um, now you guys are here. You're blowing up as a comedian, and you're getting ready to start your podcast. Yeah, man. What is the podcast going to be about? It's it's going to be about purposefulness and playfulness. I think purposeful being on purpose and being playful are like two sides of the same coin. But I think to live an awakened life, which for me means living a life where we feel fulfilled, I think we got to have more purposefulness and playfulness. And I find a lot of per- a lot of people get connected to their purpose when they're being playful. So long story short, what I'll be doing on my uh, upcoming show is being myself with people. Like we're going to talk about some sincere shit and we're going to have a good time doing it. So, uh, you know, I'll be bringing on guests. Kyle, love to have you on everybody at this table. Want to have y'all on eventually. And yeah, we'll be having meaningful conversations and I'll probably fly off on some purposeful pointlessness rambles <laughs> myself here and there. So, but I will say this, Kyle, as I get a little pretentious in this therapy session talking about myself, <laughs> as I've been doing comedy on videos and on stage and other kind of work, there's a part of me that needed expression that hasn't been accessed via the comedy that I've been doing or shows. And I've had this craving for over a year and a half to do my own podcast. And I've had a chance to be a, a guest on hundreds of podcasts. And and it's awesome. And I was just craving, like, I need to do this for myself. And finally, the time on my schedule was created. So, yeah, man, I'm pumped. Mm-hmm. Playfulness and purposefulness. You should have yeah. me on because my purpose is to play. I already told you, Kirk, I'd have you on. And if you knew how to listen, you would know that. I was playing. I wasn't paying attention. Sorry. <laughs> I think the first time I was aware of you was when we stayed at Aubrey's guest house, the Fletcher house, and he has your book on the nightstand next to the the bed, the master bed. Mm-hmm. That was the first time I was aware. I was like, I thought it was a serious book. And I was like, what is, uh, what was it? The spiritual. How to be ultra spiritual. How to be ultra spiritual. Yeah. yeah. And you got like 12, a flower and a half steps to <laughs> spiritual superiority. That was the first time I became aware of you. And then when I looked you up, because Kyle was like, I think he's a comedian. I'm pretty sure he's a comedian. I think it's all like a joke. Yeah. I, mostly. That, that actually is a serious book, Natasha. How dare you take it as a joke? Pour his soul it's, out. It's, <laughs> you've dishonored me in front of my wife, Amber. <laughs> Natasha. <laughs> it's hilarious. I love it. Well, yeah. Love actually, your... the first time I stayed in that house, I left that book there. I was in town doing a book signing. I don't know when it was, a year and a half ago. And I just, this house needs my books. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's great. Great, great placement for it. And then um, I 
fell, I think I fell in love with you when I saw your videos of you sneak attacking people. Oh, that, that was is, the best. Yeah, that is my favorite thing. The rear naked choke. Yeah. I do that to Kyle constantly. It's like my, my lot in life is how many times I can sneak attack him. And when we have actual guests and people come stay at our house or eat dinner, it's, it's something I like to do is <laughs> rear naked choke everybody. I, I love that. And I actually yeah. got to sneak attack rear naked choke Kyle in uh-huh. that video, the jujitsu yeah. sneak attack video. He's and pretty easy. I, yeah, <laughs> he, easy to get. He, I took him down, man. Yeah. I think he dropped down from the pull-up bar on top of one into a triangle <laughs> choke. And I'll tell you, during that video, Amber and I, before we moved here, we came to town, we were filming that video, and I actually cracked a rib doing the final scene of the videos. So that jujitsu class you were taking part of were dropped in and you let us do a scene with you. There was a, a girl in the class, or a woman, you know, hashtag me too, don't want to get in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the crew said, you know, would you mind taking two minutes being this scene? You just throw, throw JP down, stomp on his chest. She's like, cool. So we did a take and it was good. Then we did another take. And as soon as she stomped on my chest, it was a, a loud crack. And instantly she was horrified. And it was... Man, it it was too painful to actually use in the the video. We had to use the scene before because instantly she reacted. And that was my first and only intro into jujitsu. And I had a career ending injury two months into my career. (laughs) Well, you should have told her you had osteoporosis before you did the shot. I know. It's not fair. Yeah. And I'm still suing her as well. (laughs) Kyle, in your your fighting career, have you had an injury nearly that severe? Close. Actually, just on the ribs. Oh my God. I don't think we have cameras focused on it, but I have a, uh, I had a separated rib. Is that what Chael Sonnen has? Is that what his, Uh a lot of people have that. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. It popped out eight days before a fight and I had a chiropractor slide it back in. Every time I sneezed, it would go out. Wow. Brutal. And then still so had painful. to fight. Thanks to uh, the amount of money we make in the UFC, I couldn't yeah. take that fight off. <laughs> and wow. uh, did you have a chiropractor in your kicked. corner putting it No, in but it got kicked in the second round <laughs> uh, and it just stayed that way. So mm-hmm. it's, it's permanently repositioned itself with a nice little, little button on the end for me. So in other words, no, that was the worst injury you, I've ever had. So you've never had one close to what I encountered? No, not even yeah. close. He also can't feel the the left side of his um, chin. So, like, when if you ever eat out with him, most of the time there's, like, a massive amount of food here, <laughs> and he has no clue. So you can literally not say anything, and he'll walk out with all that food Special sauce. He had a giant green leaf recently. It's a relish. And it took everything in me. <laughs> yeah, I had a head of cabbage on my uh, lower yeah. left chin. Yeah. There's a steel plate there, so I can't. Oh, wow. It's over the nerve. Jeez. I love the picture you have on social media where you're, essentially your whole face is a black eye. It, oh, yeah. Like your eyes swollen shut and your forehead swollen out of a couple of inches, your cheeks. I'm, yeah, it was I mean, bad. Were you on Coumadin or something? Like some blood thinners? <laughs> yeah, like how did you get to that? Like, was that like a, a, a UFC fight? Or yeah, that happened uh, first in Vegas with Fabio Maldonado, orbital blowout left side. Mm. And then again, mm. a couple of years later in Nottingham, England. Mm-hmm. Same really left orbital blowout, left eyebrow photos. fracture too yeah. from a head kick. I chose to um, block with my head, which was a good, good technique. Good I mean, your head looks like it would be really rugged. Yeah, hard to knock out. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Amber, you—I've yes. heard so much about you. I've met you at the influencer summit. 
Is that what it was? The yeah. Influencer yes. Summit, right? That was a fun weekend. And we got to hang at Aussies. Yes. Where they had so the volleyball fun. courts going and everything. And um, yeah. a couple other influencers were being a little creepers, but we won't name names. <laughs> uh, yeah. Funny, funny event. And um, you are a yoga instructor. Yes. And you guys also do ayahuasca retreats. Is that correct? I do. Yeah. So a huge part of my work are, um, I produce shamanic yoga retreats and also yoga teacher training programs that incorporate ayahuasca ceremonies. Yeah. So a huge part of my path, I moved to Costa Rica five years ago and I was there full time for the last five years until I met JP and we decided to move to Austin. So yeah, it's a, it's a, a huge part of my path, my healing and own personal transformation and then helping others work with this medicine. So I don't serve medicine. I work with shaman who are amazing and, you know, very experienced in this work, but I facilitate the experience and create uh, the container for, for people to really go deep with that medicine. Yeah. I think that's kind of the future of branching in uh, the Western mind of I'm going to do this medicine and this work, and then I'm just going to go straight back to fucking work. Yes. You know, and there's no like real integration period. And yes. now you see with places like, like your practice and Rhythmia, it's also yes. in Costa Rica, like yes. there's breath work, there's yoga, yeah. there's days off. You're not allowed to leave right when you finish. Yeah. Um, I think that's critical because there's a lot of places you can go stateside for that. And it can be a beautiful experience, but inevitably it's one night yeah. and you have a day off and then you're right back to the grind. Yeah. Or three nights same. in a row and then you leave for the next mm-hmm. day. Yeah. <laughs> for in our case. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> I've done, a couple of my or our uh, best experiences have been stateside three nights in a row. Oh, wow. But it has yeah. to be that there has to be some period of totally. time mm-hmm. off. It can't be, let me just go back to the regular whatever real life, fake yeah. life I've, I've manifested for myself and try to, you know. Just put all this into it's practice. It's probably true for all sorts of integration, you know, any type of integration of self-work. And Christina has a very powerful story about that. It might be a little t- too much for this, but basically she went through some pretty deep self-work. And then when they what they told you at the end about changing your environment and you want to tell that story? No. A little bit about it? <laughs> <laughs> She's like, no. <laughs> but yeah. No, so, but basically they said, hey, you all you've done all this great work and you've changed a lot, but if you go back to your old environment, mm-hmm. you're just going to become your old self again. And mm-hmm. it's going to be, uh, what was the, was it crabs or lobster? Like if you, yeah, it's a, the, if you, what is it? If you, um, have a, the bucket, a container of uh-huh. crabs, if one crab is trying to escape, escape and pull its way out, the other crabs will pull it down. And so ultimately they all end up dying and that was, to his point, is that I spent 60 days on what I call a very self-growth, spiritual growth journey against my will, and after a full-on breakdown. And But that was a big part of coming out, is that after 60 days, they, they spent a, like several days with me and said, here's the thing, you've had a complete transformational experience. You are a different person. And when you go back home, everybody's going to think you're just a fixed version of who you were, but you're totally different. And so if you go back and you don't actually integrate and take the time and do the work, the real work is at home. Mm -hmm. This is just the beginning. So if you go back right to where you were, you're just going to be that again. And so I took that very seriously and completely radically changed my life because that life didn't work very well for me. So, uh, so yeah, and it, it was difficult because how do you go back to the real world and not go fully into that same experience? Because you have to make hard decisions. Some relationships need to end, environments need to change, conversations need to change. It's, and that force is really powerful. 
especially when you have big egos attached to it and lots of success and identity and people identify you as that certain person and solve certain problems. And if you're not that anymore, what the hell do you do? Like, who are you? Right. Yeah, I think with whether it's a plant medicine ceremony or more of a traditional style self-growth re- retreat, I think those are all metaphoric rebirths that we all go to because we're looking to have something new born into our lives. And I think those experiences are nothing but momentum. And I don't mean to trivialize them like nothing but momentum. They're amazing, but they're momentum nonetheless. And if you go right back into your previous environment, it the momentum drives you deeper mm. there. But if you recalibrate and shift 25 degrees in the direction that you want your trajectory to be in, then that momentum can take you there. And that might mean, just like you said, you don't hang out with certain friends anymore and maybe they were never friends or maybe you hang out with these new people or maybe you have a new routine because it's a new life. And of course, I think change is always uncomfortable. If it's comfortable, it's not actually real change. It's just the same thing disguised as change. So uh, yeah, I think the hard part, the meaningful part, the rewarding part is allowing the integration and the change to happen in our day-to-day lives. And it's very uncomfortable because Mm, what that, who we were or what we were doing, it's when you, you're not that anymore, then it's really facing, okay, who am I? What am I doing next? And and if it's not that, what is it? And it's not like you get this big epiphany and it's so <laughs> obvious what's next. It's like, sure. holy cow. And that's really where the work is. And it's it's so uncomfortable mm. and very scary. And it takes a lot of faith. It's like, all right, I don't have the answers, but I'm just going to keep moving forward one day at a time and keep just doing the work and doing the work and doing the work. Mm-hmm. Well, you're, to your point, I mean, I think all all change is, is that way. And, I, and you said something um uh, you didn't really introduce yourself as a money coach, what you do, but you said something on your coaching call yesterday. I've never heard you say before is, so it's an eight week course. And she said, <clears throat> during this eight week course, you're going to learn a lot of stuff um, about how to manage your money and how to grow your money and how to get out of debt and all this other stuff. <clears throat> but it, all you, all you need to do is learn the first eight weeks and then the work starts after that. Yeah. So that's kind of what, the retreats do right it's mm-hmm. like they show you like you get an education like a really quick education in the plant medicine like hey this is what you need to work on mm-hmm. but all they did was show you like you show you here's the work you're going to do now and if you don't go do the work then you just wasted your time and and well yeah what's the purpose of that of let's say having an <clears throat> ayahuasca retreat yeah and getting some big epiphanies and realizations and like what i call holy shit moments like holy shit <laughs> uh if you're not going to go do something with that. To go right back to what we were means that was really just a wasted experience or yeah, just to absolutely. say you've done that. And I'm sure, Amber, you see that all, all the time. I do. You know, I see it a lot. People in the medicine community, they end up sitting pretty consistently and they end up getting the same lessons over and over and over again. And it's like, she's still telling you the same thing. You need to eat cleaner and take care of your body and go work out every day. Like really simple self-care rituals, right? That are often what's coming through for people. But until they really master that, they're not going to be able to get, let's say the next bigger lesson. And so I've seen that in people 
people, uh, specifically in Costa Rica, we have a really strong medicine community there. People, it's just part of the lifestyle down there. And so people are really sitting consistently like I was, you know, once, twice a month, you know, very consistently, but it's what you do with it. And so it's how it changes how you are in the world. That's what matters and how you speak to people, how you show up for yourself and for your partners and, um, the work you do in the world. So if you're not taking those lessons, then yeah, it's like, what's the point? It's a cool experience, but there's really no takeaway. We, we call it the homework. Yeah. Yeah. We, we don't really, we don't go and do more ceremonies unless mm. we've done the homework from the last one that we, mm-hmm. that we That's did. A great way to it's put awesome. it. Yeah. Yeah. That, that came from personal fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I owned three ceremonies in a row, one a month for three months straight. And it kept telling me, to meditate and do yoga. Right. <laughs> and that's not everyone's me- message or medicine, but that was mine sure. for certain. And on the third ceremony, I was like, what the fuck? Wow. I already know this. You've been telling me this for three months. <laughs> why is she, why is she <laughs> accidentally <laughs> still telling me the same thing? <laughs> why don't you tell me something else? She must it was be like, confused. oh, you haven't started to do this. And it's like being held back a grade. You don't get exactly. to graduate and move on exactly. to the new lessons. Yeah. I'm right. going to keep you stuck in the seventh grade until you start doing the work. You, you keep failing the test. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And I think the part of the, I think the scary part, but also exciting part uh, of the reintegration with new growth, new trajectory is there's a thankless part to it where the, what we're called to do with integrating something new into our lives. Nobody else knows about that. Like our, our family, our friends, like they don't receive a download of consciousness saying, uh, Oh, here's Amber. And this is what she's supposed to be. Do-. They don't know. So I think there's like a, a certain, like, hero on his or her like solo adventure. Now, granted, I think the right support system, the like-minded, more importantly, like-hearted friends who can relate in their own way, like, yeah, bro, I've been there, done that. And, you know, here's my version of that. So they can relate to it, but they can't know exactly what your journey is because it's an inward journey and change on the outward, the external might be called for. So, yeah, I, I just find it fascinating, scary, and exciting, that solo part of the adventure. Yeah, step in so many parallels between that world, the medicine world, and whatever this world that we're in right now is. Yeah. Real or, real or not real, <laughs> the dream, whatever people call it, right? Um, but it's it's there's a certain level of not knowing like, mm-hmm. and then stepping into that willingly, like I'm going to step into the unknown yeah. with faith and trust and belief in myself and just see what happens and just mm-hmm. follow my instinct and intuition. Yeah. And you you have to do that in the plant ceremony, which you don't control. And you have to do that in life, which to a degree we don't control either. Right. Oh, very well said. I think that's one of the most challenging aspects of that integration process is like that just full trust and surrender, which is what ayahuasca very much teaches us. But it's so hard when you're in that upheaval of like, oh my gosh, I don't know who I am anymore. I don't want this old life. So, okay, now I'm totally open to all possibilities, but it's terrifying. So in that moment, it's all about trust and surrender, just being guided by something higher than yourself to, yeah. And that's really the big problem working with SEALs. So, um, a lot of SEALs when they retire, I mean, they, they're top of what they do, right? I mean, who's like, yeah, I mean, I guess Green Berets and so forth can argue Delta Force and all that, but you know, they're, they're, you know, top one tenth of 1% of what they do. Like they're the, and then, you know, they do that for 25 years. They've had 15 surgeries and, you know, 3000 head injuries and whatever. 
Um, they have their community. I mean, when you're in the SEAL teams, like your platoon is your family. It's like you're like that's you're around those people twenty four seven. I mean, you're sleeping right next door to each other and working all day together, going out at night together, unless you're home, which is like twenty percent of the time. Um, but then these guys get out of the military after being, you know, a high ranking, high achieving SEAL. And now who are they? Like, they're just mm. like, I don't know. And right. they're, and they're damaged. Right. And they, they're having a really hard time remembering where they left their car keys and their wallet and wow. where, where they parked their car. And there's, there's a lot of self doubt now about whether I can go on and be a high achiever again, but they're not people who will be satisfied just not being high achievers. Mm. Um, and that like, that's a, it's a really difficult thing when you lose yourself. And I, and I've done it since we've been together, just like completely look at who I am. I'm like, Oh my God. Like for me, it was a choice, right? Like I didn't even like that guy. I didn't know. I didn't know mm. that's who I was. And I don't want to be that guy, but these guys, like, it's not really their choice. You know, it's like they're nearly 50 years old. They can't really do the SEAL job anymore. They have to go on and do something else. And they don't know who they are. And it was kind of thrust upon them. And, uh, you know, I have had some pretty big, like, amazing life-saving successes with the plant medicines to help help these guys when everything else fails. You know, they've been in five years of uh, Western care with, you know, taking 13 different drugs. And they don't even know what's making them feel bad now because they're taking so many things. And they just cut all that off and go do, you know, ayahuasca or ibogaine or something like that. And they they actually see it. And then the ones who come back and do the work, I mean, you don't even recognize them. Mm. I mean, literally, you don't recognize them. Uh, uh, one of the guys, actually, I want to I talk to you about after the show. Um, uh, he was my first patient. He's the guy who got me interested in plant medicine. So I was, you know, maybe seven, eight years out of medical school, still very much traditional medicine. I mean, I was doing a little thing, doing sort of some naturopathic type things um, just because you know, there, there's a lot of limitations to what you can give people in the military and not disqualify them from their job. So mm. I had to find some creative ways to help guys without drugs. Um, but being a doctor, all I knew was, you know, I knew how to recognize disease, identify it and treat it with the way, the way the reference book told me to treat it, which this drug first, then that drug or procedure or whatever. Um, and these guys were coming to me with these just really dark lives and they didn't meet disease and none of them had disease, but the darkest guy, I mean, this literally, I've told Christina this a, a dozen times. He, I was afraid of him. Like when he came in my office mm-hmm. and sat down, like every time I was like murder, suicide today, like today's the day. You're like, <laughs> wow. you know, wow. like wow. he was dark and scary. Um, and we uh, and I don't even think I've told him that. You hear this on the podcast. <laughs> let me explain more. When we, when was Kyle Kingsbury. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, so yeah, he he uh, yeah. I worked with him for about a year and a half before he got out, and he wasn't really any better. Maybe marginally better. Uh, still really dark. And then I saw him at this fundraiser. Maybe. Six months later, nine months later, he sat across from me as close as you are. And he, and he comes up and he sits down. And, you know, this is a fundraiser we have for the uh, Seal Family Foundation every year. Um, and there's, I mean, I'm terrible with names and faces. I, I'm terrible at remembering people. And so people always come up to me and talk to me. And I'm spending like half the time figuring out how I know this guy. So he comes and sits this far apart from me. And he's talking to me. And I'm just like acting like I know. I'm like, who is this? And, uh, and, and we keep talking and talking and talking. And then all of a sudden he says something. And I'm like, oh, my God. 
and he's like, yeah, who'd you think I was? I don't know. Like, I don't know, but he was so different. I literally couldn't recognize. And this is a guy I'd spent, you know, 50 hours with in my office and, you know, seen around the team. And I'm like, he's not a, he's not just somebody I've blown past a few times. This is a guy I'd, I know well and totally different, but he went, he went down to Peru and lived with a shaman in the jungles for 30 days and nude and doing all the fasting and ayahuasca and kundalini yoga. And he came out of it like a completely different person and he's kept doing the work and he's, he's still that transformed guy. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. I'm curious with, you know, outside of the, the plant medicine breakthrough he had, but you know, you being a former seal (laughs) Kirk and working with a lot of those guys, I kind of look at that as like a metaphoric represent uh, representation that anybody can relate to because here's a seal, which is like, you're great. You're great, but you can't be a seal forever. So you essentially, eventually, just to rhyme words, <laughs> Dr. Gray, <laughs> hashtag, you, you eventually have to betray that identity as a seal, betray the great in order to go to your greaterness, the what's next on your journey. So yeah, I, I guess I'm curious with your work with the seals, what else do you see works for those guys so they can essentially betray their old identity so they can grow into who they're becoming? Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the good thing about the SEAL teams is, I mean, you, you learn a lot. I mean, they're, they're very, very capable people. They can do just about any job. What they really need is their own self-confidence mm. back. So, but they're all like the guys that retire are very, very damaged. Um, you know, the, um, New England Journal of Medicine published an article in 2009 that showed um, the acceleration changes on a roller coaster are enough to cause a mild uh, brain injury, what we call an MTBI. And shooting machine guns in a concrete room is 35 Gs. The acceleration wow. changes on a roller coaster was 1.2 Gs that caused the rupture. So how many head injuries do these guys have? They have these uniquely inflamed brains. They're not the same as the NFL. They've done autopsies. There's a suicide crisis in ex-seals as well. Um, And a few of them have now shot themselves in the chest and they've they've gotten um, autopsies of their brains. And it's graphically different, categorically different than what the NFL, they're seeing in the NFL. But it's just as bad. Well, it's probably worse. Um, So getting guys through that is really... The, the keys. So one thing is um, the biggest thing is really just a, is teaching vulnerability. These are mm. not vulnerable people. And yeah. that's what I think the plant medicine is good at breaking through. And then if you can keep that momentum and get them to be vulnerable in other environments and without, you know, plant medicine necessarily. And, um, and then as they work on that, uh, you know, all the modalities that will decrease brain inflammation and increase the brain func- function. So like, you know, the, the, RIR sauna and the uh, uh, hyperbarics and ketogenic diet, like all those types of things that will accelerate your mitochondrial growth and uh, decrease inflammation in your brain. Once, once they kind of get their brain function back, and I'm not exaggerating, what they would tell me is when they'd come in my office and tell me what's really going on, which they usually don't do, only they only did it because I was a SEAL, because other doctors will put them on the bench essentially, right? Um, and they'd come and tell me what's really going on. And I'd tell them the story. 
uh, I found out that sleep, or they tell me their story, and I found that sleep was a really big component of it because they were all using sleep drugs, which is mm. why I invented sort of the sleep supplement. We like I invented it with them. I'm like, hey, like try this and try this, and so they helped me figure out like what combination because you can't just take away their Ambien and say suck it up, Buttercup, right? And, like you have to give them something in in place of that. Uh, so sleep, like just getting them to sleep, decreased a ton of inflammation and enhanced a lot of cognitive functioning because that's when your brain's pruning and that's when your brain's growing and durable tracks are forming. Um, and then all those adjunct, um, you know, the one guy I was talking about who went to the Amazon, rolfing is a big part for him. A lot mm, of people, acupuncture is a big part yeah. for them. Um, uh, the sensory deprivation, the float chambers, like that's a, that's a big part for certain guys. Um, there, you know, we there's a guy up in Washington State that does um, these really intricate uh, IVs with peptides and vitamins and you know nutrients and all this stuff, and that that seems to help guys. And like I said, the hyperbarics and all that. And then once you get them to where they're not doubting themselves all the time. Because just imagine every time you leave your house, you go get in your car, you start your car. If you've remembered your keys, you start your car and then you go, oh, I forgot this. And you get out of your car and you go back and you get it and you get back in your car and you get down and you go, oh, I forgot this. And mm. five times, that was their average, five times. Wow. Before they could leave their house to go to work. Wow. But when they're in their community, everybody's just like them. So they're, sure. so they're compensating all in the same way and it's all normal behavior. Mm. And then when you get out, now you're going to go to corporate America or something, or you're going to go be an entrepreneur or something. Like, how can you be an entrepreneur if you can't remember wow. the phone call you just had two minutes ago or you know, why you walked into the room and all that? So it's really a lot about getting their health back and getting them to be vulnerable and, um, you know, they're, they'll be vulnerable with each other, right? Like within the group and the male joking sort of mm-hmm. way, they'll, you know, they'll sort of ask for help and they'll get help. <clears throat> but once they get out of that community, they don't really trust people. So mm-hmm. well, there's the, there's the different parts of it too. So I know like with my own experience, when I nearly died physically, there's the physical breakdown. So I had to repair my brain, repair my body in order to save my life. And that was one piece of it. But as that was healing, my mind was broken also. Mm. And so it was both of these at the same time. And it's kind of breaking down the psychology and dealing with all the trauma and dealing with all those issues separate from the brain and from the physical piece that's just as damaged. And a big part of that, and what we've even seen with some of the SEALs is that, you know, being with Kirk, they'll come talk to me a little bit just as a business owner and entrepreneur. And they're coming to me and they don't, they're now retired and they don't know who they are because their entire identity, this powerful Mm. thing called an identity, Mm -hmm. like the way the world sees us. And we identify the way with people see us. That's who we are is how other people think we are. So if we're not that anymore, then what are we? Mm. And that is the difficult piece is answering that question. Like, if I'm not that identity, I'm a nobody in this case. And that's what they feel. So they'll come and they'll say things like, I don't know what to do. And I have no value in the world. And, mm. and I'm like, what are you talking about? You have no value. You were a seal. I mean, the team, like what you have to do with teams and the decision-making and real life and death situations. Mm. And I mean, all the character and the courage and the psychological fortitude and the decision-making and everything they do. And they go into war and they save lives. I mean, in business, we're just playing with, we act like this is life and death. It's bullshit. There's no life and death. We're just making shit up every single day and then taking credit for it. I'm like, no, you have everything. Like in business, you have every characteristic, mm-hmm. every attribute, everything that we would want. Like you can fit anywhere. Just the specific knowledge here and there is irrelevant. 
but they actually come and they think that they're valueless now. So they can't identify with like, who am I? And I think, you know, in context of what we're just talking about before, that is so much if we're, we get so attached to these identities of who the world thinks we are. And if we have to reinvent those, to your point, like to reinvent is this rebirth, that's what's so scary. And that's what is the vulnerability is, holy cow, like, who am I? (laughs) What do I do if I'm not that? What am I? And that's where so much of the work is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the the biohack not to be bypassed is <laughs> vulnerability. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's nothing sexy about it. It it sucks to do. For me, it sucks to do short term. Long term, it's so rewarding. But it's like it hurts more now, so that I can have more pleasure. You know, then over the course of the medium term, long term, and and to me, hearing what y'all are saying, it it, it seems like vulnerability is an alchemist that softens the shell of who one was so they can pierce that membrane, that hard shell of I was a seal or I was this person, whoever we used to think we were, that softens so we can pierce that birth canal into what's on the other side. And I think it's scary as hell. I think you you, you said it a few minutes ago, um, yeah, you know, the whole idea of confusing what you do with who you are. Mm-hmm. And so many people do that. And I've been guilty of that many, many times in my life as well, too. And the, the irony is now I, I would have a really hard time telling you what I do. If somebody comes <laughs> up and says, what do you do? I'm like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, How do I label do you box myself I mean, right now? Exactly. I need a whiteboard. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like, what do you do? I, I don't know. But for the first time in my life, I know who I am. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Like For the first time, I'm like, oh, I know exactly who I am. Mm. So it doesn't matter what I do, but all the rest of my life, I was trying to be what I did. You know, I, I was, you know, an athlete in high school and then I was a SEAL and then I was a medical student and then I was a doctor and then I was a doctor to the SEALs. And then I was, you know, um, a doctor in private practice and this concierge, I was a concierge doctor and then I left and I became an entrepreneur and then I was all wrapped up in entrepreneurship and, you know, that's still what I do to make money, but. I don't really know. Like, I don't really have a master plan for it. I'm just kind of like fumbling around to to figure out exactly what the path is. But for the first time in my life, like I know exactly who I am, and I'm not a seal. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a doctor to the seals. Like I, those are all things I do, but I'm or have done. But that's not who I am at all. Yeah, I kind of got that realization. Um, I had an injury in 2012, uh, so it you know forced relaxation, forced. Mm-hmm press pause on life and uh, took some time off from fighting was also introduced to ayahuasca in that same period. And my identity as a fighter was just shattered. Like yeah. there is that, I don't, you know, that's something I do. It's something I love and appreciate, but it's not who I am. Mm. And then also in that same period over time, there was this lack of importance with the thing I was doing, mm. which is kind of necessary if you want to sure. keep fighting that mm-hmm. that's the most important thing mm-hmm. <laughs> in your mind yeah. yeah um so that that made it for an easy an easy shift to leave but um definitely was much easier for me to grasp that concept of oh i don't i'm not that thing and i'm not exactly certain what i am but i don't need to know i don't right. need yes. to have mm-hmm. labels for that i don't need to have this cool cookie cutter emblem that i can shine and show to the world Mm-hmm. Look at me. This is what I do. You know, yeah, I just am. Like I, all those, all those things. Yeah, I've done those things, and I know some things, but that's not who I am. It's things I know. It's things I've done. I just, I am who. I'm like Popeye, Popeye, the original poet and philosopher. <laughs> I am what I am. 
I mean, and I think, <laughs> and I think that's that's part of the wisdom of the unknown. Like, mm-hmm. I think there's so much grace and power in being able to say, "I don't know," like, mm-hmm. and it's okay. I think that evokes us into a curious mindset and heart set rather than the mindset of certainty. Like, oh yeah, this is who I am, and our I am the fighter. I am the redhead. Like, I'm the bald dude. And I think our sense of certainty about who we are has zero correlation to who we really are. I think it just has a high correlation to how we anesthetize the fear of how we don't actually know ourselves. Yet the wisdom of the unknown, when we actually ease into it and surrender into it, like, yeah, I don't know who I am. I'm just... I'm figuring it out and I'll probably never have it figured out. It's probably not a figuring out thing. It's probably more of a Mm -hmm. experiential thing that this beady little intellect can't comprehend. So that's what I'm doing. It's clumsy, but it's also awesome when I can relax into it and breathe with it rather than fighting reality. And one of our mentors that, that one of our, our coaches, our life coaches said just such a great thing. He said, you know, if we're not embarrassed by who we were a year ago, then we're not growing fast enough. Yeah. If we weren't, if we're not embarrassed by who we were yesterday, we're not growing fast enough. And it just gives so much freedom. Like we're always becoming and who I was yesterday yes. doesn't mean that's who I am today. And it just gives the freedom to constantly grow and explore and become someone different. And there is no, there's no finish line. I love that. What's it exactly. mean when I'm embarrassed by who Kirk is today? <laughs> <laughs> That's empathy, which proves <laughs> you've been here. It's, and it also proves that there's something you have senses beyond your body, which is pretty amazing. Please address me as Dr. JP. No, well, <laughs> Kirk. You can go to four years of evil doctor school. You took, took the doctor from Kirk and applied it to yourself. Yeah, it's not who he is. It's who I am. And I'm a redhead. I'm a ginger. <laughs> yeah, you'll embody that and mm-hmm. address you as ginger from now on. Is I that should right? have yes. been a redhead. Both my parents are gingers. Mm. My mother's a ginger. Out. It's beautiful. I, I like it. I have no no other gingers in my family. Kyle's, You're the lucky one. Kyle is literally <laughs> just ginger right here, the middle mm. part of the chin when his beard grows out. It's ginger. So did has anyone told you you're adopted yet? Or <laughs> well, my, parents, still my parents, on that? based on what my parents who look nothing like me never told me, I'm definitely not adopted. Right. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Babe, I know by babe, I mean Amber, if y'all are listening to this auditorily oh, that was me. or telepathically for the, <laughs> the, really the conscious, the really super if you sense synesthesia and you're listening to it visually. <laughs> it's something that I see so many people can relate to about your story is, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but if I was pretending to, it sound like you were, you seem like you were very self-identified as like the hustler living in San Francisco mm. for years, burning yourself out, yeah. but you were willing to die in the name of who you thought you were for a while. Oh, very much so. Yeah. I was, um, I was a professional dancer for most, well, I started dance when I was three years old. Non-stripper. So dan- yeah. <laughs> thanks for that. I appreciate that. That's the first comment I get oftentimes. Oh, what type of dancer? I'm like, hmm, first thing I told my parents, she wasn't a stripper. (laughs) (laughs) Not that there's anything wrong with strippers. There's everything right with them. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, yeah. So my parents put me in ballet when I was three and I danced my whole life competitively and then went to college for dance and then also went on to dance professionally in San Francisco for eight years. And so my identity, speaking of identity, was dance. Mm. Dance was my life just like, you know, fighting is for so many people, right? We have this identity. And I was also an entrepreneur and I was hustling super hard in San Francisco and trying to just grow as, as quickly as possible, but um, became very self-destructive. And in my early twenties, I suffered from severe bulimia and it really was um, my rock bottom of, wow, I cannot keep living this lifestyle. And that's one of the things that really propelled me to move to Costa Rica was I went on a trip to Costa Rica to teach at the Envision Festival. I was invited to teach there and I actually like almost didn't go, but I'm so grateful I did. And I went down for two weeks and I saw a completely different way of living, a more holistic, peaceful, connected uh, way of living in the jungle with amazing friends and tribe. And um, and I saw, wow, I am so out of balance. It's, it's mind blowing. And um, so when I made the decision to move to Costa Rica, it was very much an intuitive, heartfelt calling. It was, it was my soul saying, you need this, Amber, whether you know it or not. And so I didn't know why I was moving to Costa Rica, but I made the leap anyway. And I left my entire identity as a dancer. Um, I left my entire private client base there. I was teaching Pilates, yoga, nutrition full-time to private clients. And I left all of that there to pursue a totally different way of living because I needed a different environment. Speaking of environment, right? Like we needed, I needed a, a much more nourishing environment in a different culture that valued different things. Because the U.S., as you guys all know, you know, has certain paradigms, certain um, value systems and moving to a country where they value connection and connection to nature, connection to people. Um, they don't value material possessions. They value community um, and being present and enjoying life. They embody Pura Vida. They just Pura get vida. it, you know? And I was like, I want what they have. They're so happy with with you know, nothing compared to, let's say, Americans in terms of our material wealth and being like, wow, like these people get it. And I want to know what that feels like to really live that way. And so um, it was so challenging that first like six months to a year because I'm this type A perfectionist, you know, hard ass so entrepreneur. Yeah. And I drop into the, in the jungle and it's super slow and the internet's like dial up speed and <laughs> just like trying to run a business there and realizing, oh, wow, this, this doesn't function the way I'm used to um, coming from tech city. And, and then within the first six months I found ayahuasca and I realized, oh, maybe this is why I'm being called here. And so then my whole journey with ayahuasca you know, has taken off and it's become a huge part of my purpose. But if you told me five years ago, Amber, you're going to be creating shamanic yoga retreats in the jungle in Costa Rica, I'd say you're, you're crazy, absolutely <laughs> crazy. So I just really believe that there's, there's, um, we have to continually, I think what helps me is re reminding myself that we are always consciously evolving. There's always something new coming on the horizon, but we just have to be open to it and yeah. listen to our hearts. Like yeah. compost thyself, like let who we were become the dead, rotten material that like feeds that. like who we are today, who mm. we're becoming beyond what we were. And I think I uh, love your story, babe. I love being inspired by my wife. Oh, the, co mm. and the, the composting thing husband. explains yeah. a lot about <laughs> the way you <laughs> smell. Um, <laughs> so isn't uh, bulimia prerequisite for being uh, 
a dancer? I mean, it, bulimia. Bulimia. Oh, bulimia. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, it, I mean, it's in, it, like really it prevalent. And it's, then, it's super prevalent, just like yeah. in the modeling world. Yeah. yeah. So um, anorexia and bulimia are super, super prevalent. And I remember being a young teenager, like 16, and saying, I'll never have an eating disorder. I'll never let someone get to me that way. Like, but the reality is, it, it caught up to me. It caught up to me the pressure of looking a certain way because you're being judged constantly by your physique and by right. your your soul's expression. Dance is so much the language of the soul. So when someone's judging you on that and they're, um, oh, like they're cutting you from this piece of choreography or you're not accepted here or there, like you grow a thick skin, but it's definitely affecting you. So one of the lessons I learned through my work with ayahuasca was I need to feel my emotions because I did not let myself feel any of that judgment mm. and that criticism mm -hmm. over the years. And that's what manifested in, that's how my, that's what um, created the eating disorder and all the self-destructive thoughts and behaviors was this inability to feel my feelings mm. and actually release them and move them, I think. Mm -hmm. Even though you didn't offer, I'm I'm thinking I really want to get you to talk to my daughter who's sure. almost 16 and wants sure. to be a dancer, wants to move yeah. to New York City and be a dancer. And she's been oh, dancing wow. probably since four or five years old as well. Yes. Yeah. So you're on the hook for that. I'm happy to and help. That, and that's just part of knowing me because yeah. just, I'm just going to assume that yes. you want to help me. I, I do. I do. Yeah. I want to help all women. I think, you know, most women deal with some, some level of eating disorder uh, yeah. in their teens, early twenties into, uh, I think it's a, a massive issue that no one talks about. And that's why I really love sharing my story because I want women to know that there's a totally, there's a way to escape it because it is a prison that you create for yourself. Mm -hmm. And there's a way to <laughs> rewire the mind to heal your heart and to really live in a way where you don't even have any of those thoughts anymore. They don't mm. even exist anymore. And the self-worth, the self-love that can you can actually embody is is real. Mm. But for so many women, they've never experienced that in their lives. They don't know what it's like to love themselves. They mm. don't know what it's like to look in the mirror and, and say, I'm pretty. Because yeah. they just, they've never experienced well, most, it. Most men don't either. And, and what yes. people don't realize is that bulimia in men is very common as well, especially in high achievers. They just, they, really? they don't purge. They exercise. So it's mm -hmm. exercise bulimia. So yeah. they, they eat that donut they wanted. And now I got to go run 10 miles today to burn mm -hmm. that donut off. Ah, uh, okay. And so, yeah. and it's a compulsive reason for, I mean, if you just run 10 miles because you like running 10 miles, then that's one thing. But if you're doing it out of this obsessive need yeah. that you're like, yeah. I have to get rid of the evil I've done to my body and like, purge my soul yes. to, my, to the aesthetic gods or whatever. So I have to go run all this off. I've seen a lot of posts where people talk like that. Like, yeah. I do this so that I can eat these yeah, foods yeah. or live this way. And so I can eat yeah. anything yeah. I want. I work yeah. out seven hours a day. Yeah. Yeah. Similar, <laughs> maybe a more <laughs> wrong answer. <laughs> maybe it's more socially acceptable hard. eating disorder, but yeah. still a disorder. Yeah. And, yeah, totally. And uh, Kirk, I want to help you too. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> Kyle is telepathically asking me to tell your lower self some parenting advice. Okay. <laughs> yes. Don't talk about your kids <laughs> on the radio up on the podcast. Uh, no, yeah. no, no. Just be vulnerable and listen, Kirk. Okay. I'll, I'll try. Put, put your shell down. I'm trying. Just breathe. Put my shield down. But Kyle's higher self wants my higher self to tell my lower self to tell your lower self to tell your higher self is to tell your daughter that if you don't succeed at a very high level as a dancer in New York, 
then I'll stop loving you. Absolutely. <laughs> I've already been telling her that her whole life. Yeah. 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 My kids know that their achievements are like they're little coins. Yeah. Every, like you just like putting a quarter in dad's love machine. Yeah. Every time. <laughs> yeah. Every time you, one success, you get a quarter. How long it lasts depends, you know. For sure. I think the biggest, yeah. what's wrong with America today is some parents out there love their children for who they are. Yeah. It's not ridiculous. what they do, ridiculous. not what they accomplish. Ridiculous. I mean, come on. I think another uh, aspect, because I also dealt with eating disorders, and I was a distance runner, a very competitive oh, wow. distance runner. So it showed its face in, in, that, in that area of my life. Um, but also from a childhood with a lot of chaos and pain, that was like, it was an idea of this is something I can control. Exactly. So like for me, ayahuasca was also something that really healed me and had yeah. that, that feeling of I'm, I have to let go. I don't have control, but that healed so much of the feeling of this is control with yeah. eating disorders. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's a, it's a sad one because it it's not just dancers. It's not, it's just the, anybody mm -hmm. and it's everybody. And, and especially like when I went, I dealt with anorexia in high school, went to college, dealt with bulimia in, in college because there is a shift in the food you're eating, the sure. people you're around. And I feel like that was a huge one in college. You see it in every bathroom. Yeah. If you suffer from bulimia, call this hotline. <laughs> well, you know, you're looking at, you're at the toilet and you're looking up and there's these they know where to put the, yeah. the poster yes. <laughs> where, right above the toilet. Where you're looking. Oh, man. But like, it's sad because it's a, a lot of women and men mm -hmm. suffer from it. And it's, it's this false um, feeling of control. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. That's what it was for me. Yeah. It was my need to control my life because everything else felt completely out of balance and out of mm -hmm. control. And I had no nothing else to hold on to. Yeah. Yeah. And, then, and like, as weird as it sounds, there's a euphoria that follows there where is. you're like, ah, I got rid of it. Now yes. I feel good. Now I feel light. There's yes. a lightness, but it's, um, it's a similar feeling when you do psychedelics, mm -hmm. but it's, it's, there's a healing that comes a real healing and a real, um, because of purge. the work when you, a real <laughs> purge. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's, I mean, I <laughs> I didn't even want to do ayahuasca because of the reason there was a purge. Mm -hmm. Even though I had done I'd been bulimic and in college, I was like, I don't want to go puke in the woods. Are you kidding me? <laughs> but the purge is such a huge part for me now because of the the stuff that I work through mm -hmm. in that mm -hmm. process. I was just yeah. gonna mention Anahata once told me uh something to keep in mind when you think of whatever substance you're going to use or uh, interaction you're going to have with people or an event you're going to go to is, does this leave me more whole? Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, so yeah. like when you compare the purging of an eating yeah. disorder versus the purging of ayahuasca, mm -hmm. you know, does this leave me more whole? Is this thing that I'm doing going to shape me in a way where I, I come out of it with a sense of well-being and a lasting peace or yeah. is it diminishing? Does it hurt me? You know, does mm -hmm. it leave me wanting more or uh, with a sense of lacking? Yeah. Well, and it's so interesting that you bring that up because um, many, I get a lot of questions about that. People are like, so you used to be bulimic and now you work with the medicine that makes you purge. How mm. does that 
like, isn't it just kind of, of course more of the doing same. the same thing? Like, isn't, <laughs> of course you're attracted to it for that reason. I'm like, the, the reality is that I often don't purge. It's very rare that I purge mm. with ayahuasca because the medicine's working on me. It's staying in me. There's, I think maybe she knows I've done enough purging, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and it's time for me to heal. And so mm-hmm. the medicine stays in. So I think it's, it's different for everybody, but I just wanted to point so out. What, most of the time I just shit violently. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty much my purge. I really wanted time. to purge when I did it. Like, I was like, oh man, get this out of me. It's too much, <laughs> sure. too much. And I couldn't. I mean, I, I I think I told you guys the story at the house. I I was literally flip, flipping my epiglottis back and forth with my finger, just going, "Come on, come on, you can do this. You can <laughs> do this." And, in the and, I, and I couldn't. Yeah. And then I'd get up and I'd go to the bathroom and nothing. I'm like, "All right, maybe a little bit later, I'll go lay back down, just over and over and over again." So um, maybe you could teach me how to do that better. My loss would be a better experience for me. <laughs> with the epiglottis, is that like the clitoris of the throat? Yeah, <laughs> a lot like that. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. It's very stimulating. <laughs> so it sounds like ayahuasca has changed all of our lives significantly, yeah. Yeah. which is wild. And, and ayahuasca, during my uh, ceremony, she called me a fraud. Wow. Just big and loud. And that's like the one word. We were talking about that the other night. That's yeah. the one thing that she knew what to, where to get me because I'm not a fraud. You know, that's like what I'm trying to be is like transparent and real and vulnerable. And I, you know, in front of my crowds, like I'm just fully there. And so I'm thinking I'm not that. And then she's calling me a fraud. I'm like, what are you talking about? (laughs) And so, but I was, and I wasn't really willing to admit it. You know, we all have our own stories and justifications and everything and in our waking mind and this normal mind. And I mean, Kirk and I are together because of ayahuasca is this big realization and just mm. truth that came out. And it's like, okay, I, I see and know the truth. Now am I courageous enough to walk into that truth and not be a fraud anymore? Mm. So anyway. Yeah, I mean, that was one of the really cool things about our stories when when you were telling me about how you two got together. And then, you know, yeah, I guess yours was a yoga retreat, but we'll pretend like there was ayahuasca well amber had just come off a very hardcore ayahuasca kundalini awakening yeah. a day mm. or two before we met mm. so i can't say whether or not <laughs> that influenced us but maybe so as soon as the drugs wear off <laughs> you're out so you better you better keep her going down there keep dosing it up every morning a little bit. Uh, I keep it going for both of us. Pokemon. <laughs> well, we've we've spoken. You two were psilocybin, right? Yeah, that so, was yeah. my first experience ever. Yeah, I'd mm-hmm. never even smoked weed, mm-hmm. uh, and he was going for um, his uh, pre-fight sweat lodge on a Native American reservation. Oh, cool! And they would do mushrooms in a Temescal. Wow. He's like, I don't know. I mean, I know you've never done anything, but. We're going to go do this. You can just go sit and sweat in there if you want, or you can try the mushrooms. And I was like, you know, out of everything, mushrooms, for some reason, were the one thing that I, even after hearing only horror stories, (laughs) it was still this thing that I thought I always had, like, an interest in. So with all of his, um, just him, you know, asking about it and him telling me about what the experience would be and that it was a very spiritual experience. It wasn't just like, we're going to go do drugs and party. I was not into that at all. Um, so I was like, all right, let's try this. And then it ended up being way more than uh, 
I had, yeah, that I literally and figuratively, like <laughs> I my amount, the amount of mushrooms was way more. And I had no wow. clue. I had we, no understanding. I brought an of ounce like for her, myself, and three teammates that are on the fight team, and all three of them called me on our you know hour and a half drive to the reservation, like, hey, we can't make it tonight. And I was like, oh, no worries. But oh, one gosh. by one, they drop out. Oh, so we get there, and I present my coach who's recently passed away, but the first guy that introduced me properly to plant medicines. And I tell him like, hey, uh, maestro, I have an ounce of mushrooms. Uh, Just give us what we need. And the rest is a gift as a thank you for you. And he said, okay, okay. And he took two caps caps out for himself and divided the rest of the bag for the two of us. Oh my God. And we had to chew these. These weren't ground. We're eating them after he blesses them with sage. I had no idea. I was just eating a ton of like a stack of mushrooms. I was like, this seems like a lot of mushrooms. Trusting him. Trusting him, which is a big mistake. I'm doing the math. Like, oh, you wouldn't. No, there's 13 grams. It's fatal. 13 and a half. They couldn't die. Probably going to die from 13 and a half. Like, I had nothing but. Just a, an amazing experience. We sweat. We were like, I was like a waterfall in the tennis mm. call, just like, oh, like the dancing is all dark. Nobody could see me. And then we came out and it was a full moon. And I just reconnected with Mother Nature, found my inner child, just happiness. Um, there were just, there were foxes. It's really, there really were foxes running around. Like we were like Disney princesses mm. and it was just a really magical experience. And then we did ayahuasca. So I kind of, so my, uh, <laughs> that was 13 and a half grams of mushrooms. And what's Each. a normal dose? Well, Terrence McKenna, one of the, the, the godfathers of psychedelics and plant medicine says that five grams is a heroic dose. Five grams. Okay. So y'all so were twice superheroes. That. Yeah. yeah. Almost the, triple that. Yeah. Almost, almost. Triple. <laughs> wow. and, and she's like a hundred pounds. And you know, yes. yeah. Perfect. And how did that bond you? I'm so curious because clearly that was meant to happen in that way with that specific. Yes. Yeah. The drug. container was set too, yeah. you know, like uh, the space, there's no running water. There's no casinos or electricity. Yeah. Like sure. it is untouched native American land and it isn't a canyon Beautiful. and with the full moon and uh, my coach's presence you know like we were we knew we were safe so we really could just be in the medicine together yeah. and it I didn't had, really matter yeah. that it was that level like we were blasted off it, it would have been a beautiful experience on any on any level there you and know? you two weren't romantic before that right? no we were oh you were yeah, okay. We were okay. Dating. okay um but i also had a, a really religious strict uh childhood Mm -hmm. and so one of my biggest reasons for not trying anything was like it's the devil you're exposing yourself to demons and Mm. so i had a lot of like fear going into it she was like mom was like kathy bates and the water boy (laughs) (laughs) mushrooms are the devil bobby boucher (laughs) why did she Um, call you bobby boucher (laughs) 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 she wouldn't even know that reference um uh, but like, I remember going into it with still like, I, I didn't call myself a Christian, but I was afraid to, to not, I was afraid to say that because then if I said that, then I was, if I was wrong, I was going to hell, but like, it's done nothing but just seal my belief in God and, yeah. you know, and, but it's not the picture that I grew up believing in. But I remember going into that ceremony, praying like, if it's God from the Bible, like, please protect me from any harm or any demons or like, I'm doing this, literally, I'm doing this in a spiritual way. Like, I want to grow, I want to heal. And it was exactly that. Like, it was nothing but 
healing and beautiful. It was really our first ayahuasca experience that um, really bonded us Hmm. even more, uh, healed a lot of our relationship. Yeah. Problems. Well, look, we've, yeah. we've got 20 minutes before you guys have to do Facebook Live. And I want to run this thing right up until we leave because we've got these great guests in yeah. the house and I don't want to waste a moment. We've gone down the rabbit hole on plant medicines, ayahuasca and psilocybin. For everybody that's listening that that has made it this far and is not <laughs> down to, to go to walk that path, what are the other tools that each of us use to really facilitate growth and understanding and healing And uh, maybe acceptance of what is, acceptance of Mm. whatever the present moment is, whatever life's giving us, giving us at that time, how do we navigate the world appropriately and end up being the people that we are today Mm. outside of plant medicines? I would love for you to talk about the game. Just, yeah, yeah, that really became such a big part of, I think, out of ayahuasca, that was your big awareness or realization. Neil Strauss's book, The Game? No, no, (laughs) it was just a phrase that I used. Um, So, of course, I think that was actually with the benefit of uh, plant medicine that I came up with that uh, metaphor. But, um, you know, is uh, is everything danced around in my head, like all the little components of your life? And you guys know that you've experienced this. People not listening or people listening who haven't done it wouldn't understand what I mean. But that rapid fire succession of like er, like everything you think about and everything that you concern yourself with and whether intentionally or unintentionally. I realized that <clears throat> when I came out of it, I'm like, none of that's real. Like that's 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 the game, right? Like mm-hmm. that's the game I play every day. And I use this meat suit to play that game. But like I am something more than this body, obviously. And I realized that my connection with Christina and the love between the two of us, that that was the only real thing in my life. That was the only thing that really matters. And everything that surrounds us is the game, like everything. And that, but that takes like a true, I mean, it takes a, an emotional understanding, but a true intellectual understanding is where it starts is that the love's really unconditional, which means you have to be 100% brutally, painfully honest with each other. And I would say for anybody listening who doesn't want to do plant medicine, just be a hundred percent honest for a month and see where your life is. Mm. Like mm. no bullshit to anybody. Mm. You don't even bullshit the meter made about how long you've been parking. Like nothing. There's no excuse. This isn't situational ethics. Like your rule is no lies, mm. nothing false, nothing misleading. And then if you can say that to your partner and partner says, yeah, I love you because of all that. And then all of a sudden you're like, holy shit, she actually knows who I am because all of us run around you know, playing our avatar. We get, run around playing this role, but we know we're bullshitting. Mm-hmm. So when we're trying to convince people, you know, you should love me, you should respect me, you should put me on a pedestal, you should value me. How can I acquiesce to the thing that you like the most yeah, about me on but paper? I, yeah, right? mm-hmm. but I know I'm bullshitting. So even if they do love me, they don't really, I know they don't really love me. They love this facade that I've put up. So mm-hmm. the only way they can truly love me is if I just get rid of all the bullshit and say, hey, here, you might not really like this, but this is who I really am. Everything's out on the table. Once you have that unconditional love, like that, that feeling is just, I mean, I, I, literally the first time I've had it in my life. I mean, I don't, I don't feel like I have it for my, my parents and, you know, my mother was a great mother, but I, that was just 
you know, I didn't, as, as a kid, I wasn't there. Yeah. I wasn't there. Like if, my, if it was going to disappoint mom, I was going to lie about it. And like, Oh no, I, I don't know how that happened. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but with, with, uh, Christina and I like that, that joining and, and she's so vulnerable and honest about her story and which is worthy, I think of her own podcast, uh, her journey to be where she is now. Um, well, you do have your own podcast, but I mean, a mm. podcast between you two. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, you know, what, like, you know, once we, yeah, she's so vulnerable and real already that I already knew everything about her. There was no bullshit coming out of her. And once I dropped my shield and all the bullshit and she truly loved me and I knew she truly loved me, like that's a sensation you can't describe. Mm-hmm. And that will lift you out of anything. And I would say, That'd be my number one intervention. If you don't want to take drugs, just quit lying for yeah. Be, the rest in, of your be life. impeccable with your word. Yeah, mm-hmm. be exact, rule number one, and on just the four be agreements. exactly unapologetically who you are. Like, mm-hmm. sorry, I know this is going to offend everybody, but this is what I do. And you just offend everybody. Oh. And then you find your people. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, I'll add to that. Um, so a huge part of my work is is self love and building self-care rituals. So a huge part of that for me and my journey. And one of the things I teach now I'm really passionate about is meditation, yoga, gratitude journaling, a lot of the kind of things you've heard before, but um, really being consistent in a ritualistic way with these practices um, and being willing to do that emotional work is so important, being willing to feel your feelings. And I think that's why meditation and yoga and Pilates and these other mindful forms of movement are so powerful because they allow us to unlock a lot of emotional trauma and baggage that's held in our physical body and and allows us to feel it and process it and sit with it. And that's really when we can let go of these identities and these belief systems and paradigms that that we think are us, but are definitely not. Um, so yeah, I'd say just working in the body. I think embodiment is so important nowadays. Most of us live from the neck up. So really staying connected to our hearts and our bodies into the earth is, as a primary uh, priority, um, would be my first go-to get back into your body, train your body consistently in a balanced way, in a mindful way, get back connected to the earth daily, daily dose of nature. Um, yeah. And just really connecting to your heart through your emotions. Cool. Yeah. My, my biggest tip for accelerated growth as a person would, uh, and this even trumps any kind of plant medicines. I mean, to me, my number one tip is make yourself uncomfortable every single day, both physically and psychologically. Physical part's easy. Work out, cold shower, scream, like any of those will create physical discomfort. And then psychologically, say yes to things that scare you that also feel purposeful. And and it might be letting go of something that scares you, but there's a sense of simultaneous purpose in that. So to me, that physical and psychological training of embracing discomfort really accelerates us. I think growth and life happens outside of our comfort zone. I think when we're trapped in the familiar coffin of our comfort zone, we're not really living, we're not evolving, we're just recreating what we've already created. And I think the intelligence that courses itself through us is too intelligent to just redo the same metaphoric drawings over and over. It wants to draw something bigger and better with our lives. And we, as the authors that essentially express the words that want to be written through us, we can say yes to that. And if so, there's more grace in our life. 
we'll be scared shitless sometimes, but there will be a lot more grace. Or we can say no and try to constipate the consciousness that wants to write itself through us. And I think there's hell to pay. So making ourselves uncomfortable psychologically and physically to me is a can win. The discomfort is a laxative. (laughs) (laughs) I think um, something that kind of ties into that also is um, unplugging. And not, and, and not having the need to be entertained. That's uncomfortable for a lot of people, especially when you're so tired end of the day. As a mom, I found myself like, God, I'm so tired. I just want to like veg out and watch TV after the baby goes to sleep. But then I find myself over time being unhappy because I'm not reading. I'm not – because during the day when, he, when I have him, I'm not – able to do the things that really make me happy, yoga, meditation, really emptying my mind, um, my art, whatever it is. Um, We got rid of our TV for that reason, so that we really wouldn't have the option. Um, The occasional fights that we want to watch will bring the laptop out. But (laughs) um, We bring out the laptop for violence. For the occasional face (laughs) smashing. But... um, replacing the need to be entertained with with other things that are a lot more like life-giving and and just seeing what comes from that what creativity what freedom what um peace yeah wow that these are all like so right on and so good and it is like our lives are so busy that there's no white space it's just going from the next thing the next thing the next thing next thing and and we keep ourselves numbed by keeping so busy and they're there's not, we don't create space for white space for like you're talking about just to be present, just to feel. And, and what I would add on to that is that, especially in today's day and age of social media, it's like a new form of bulimia in a way that it's always the camera and we're always trying to measure up and our lives are like, my life is as good or better than your life. Mm. But it's this, we're like in this time and place where if we're not measuring up and getting external validation and approval from external place, then we're nobody. Mm-hmm. So everybody feels that their value is based on how many likes they get on Instagram. And I just, that's Should just be. a tragedy for, what? Nothing. <laughs> I just think it's a, it's a travesty and a tragedy in a way that we can't feel good about ourselves. And so I, my tip is really work to let go of this need for external approval. Mm-hmm. Like we're not who, what, what other people think. And it's the self-love piece is we just have to love ourselves no matter if we're on Instagram. And that's really hard today because that's that's what everybody else is doing. So the more we can let go of this need for external approval, this external of measuring up, this external feeling that people think we're good enough to feel good about ourselves and disconnecting. Hell yeah. Amen. Awesome. <laughs> that, that reminded me of a, of a conversation that I was having with uh, Tate Fletcher when, when he did the podcast out here. He was, um, so that trip, he was out here. <clears throat> we were talking at the event, and he, uh, he was saying how um, you know, there's the axiom that you can't, you can't truly love someone else until you love yourself. And he said, thank God that's not true because you know, I'd, I'd ne- I wouldn't have anyone to love. Like, mm. And... Um, and, and I, I didn't really make a comment about it. I was a little, a little shocked by it, but the conversation just went on. Um, but then I later thought about it and, and the story I was telling, like truly sort of bearing my soul to her. Um, I thought for sure she's going to be like, 
Yeah, see ya. <laughs> I'm glad, you know, hopefully that helped you. It was a little cathartic, but you really need to go. I mean, like I, I really, and it was actually her love that allowed me to, and because mm. I love her so much, I'm like, well, she can love me, then I can love me, right? Like, because, mm. yeah. Right? And, and the real me, like, here's everything. Like, she was asking some brutally hard questions. Like, like oh, I didn't want to go that far down there. Like, it's just... <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Tate, Tate brought up some really cool um, ways to look at things. And, and that's something for sure. It's true. You can love other people, but obviously as you express that love, if you are the best version of yourself, if you truly love yourself and have um, a belief in yourself, then that's just that much more than you can give to someone else. And really be there and be present and be mindful and not try to attach uh, through your own personal lens what that love should look like or how that person should look to you. You know, mm-hmm. just to really love them for who they are, to, to learn to love one another the way God loves us. Mm-hmm. Without judgment, without I love you if, I love you and, I love you when, right. just mm-hmm. I love you, you yeah. know. And our, what we say to each other is I love you because, because of all those things, the mm. great, the not so great, mm. the... But I, I love you because because all of those things have made you who you are, and I love you. Yeah, and yeah. we can look at that as, to life as well, right? There's so many parallels with the plant medicines, and polarity is one of those things, mm-hmm. right? You see the full spectrum. There's no fat without thin. There's no up without down, big and small, tall and thin. All these things, tall and short, there's all these <laughs> things that are on the same. <laughs> they're on the same line. They're on the same spectrum. And when you see that, there's appreciation and gratitude for all of it, mm-hmm. right? And all the things, that the troubles that we go through, the hardships, those stressors and challenges are the things that allow us to grow. Mm-hmm. And without them, we're stagnant. We stay in the same spot. And that, and, and that what Christina was talking about was accepting other people's or seeking other people's judgment as to who we are. Um, external validation can only exist on that continuum, Right, so you have to be tall or short or mm-hmm. fat or thin. You have to for the external to define you. Mm-hmm. And once you get rid of the external validation, you realize that you don't really have any labels. And I mean, that's what I was saying. Like, I I know who I am. I can't describe who I am. Like, I don't have words for it. But for the first time in my life, I really know who I am. And like, I don't know if I'm tall or short or fat or thin. I'm like, I don't care. Like, it's not something that goes through my head. I, without external validation, you're just, you're who you've become. Yeah, and in you, that moment and next moment, I'm someone else. And the next moment I'm growing into someone else. I've had another experience. I've heard another funny joke. I've heard another clever, you know, biohack <laughs> or, you know, <laughs> whatever. Like my, my world's expanded a little bit and, mm-hmm. and I'm always who I am at that moment. And, I think what that means to me is schizophrenia. Uh, yes. And <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You exist on the relative plane of polarities, but the relative plane of polarity doesn't define your existence. Right. It's not all of who you are. It's just a, a dimension that your existence kind of incarnates into right. amongst all the other simultaneous aspects of your consciousness and dimensionality that you are. Right. 
that sentence didn't really have coherency to it. But you do, you I like what you're putting down. <laughs> I smelled what you're stepping in. I tried to use big <laughs> words. You used the word acquiesce earlier, Kyle, and I just want to say, well played, good sir. I don't know what it means, but it was so sexy hearing it come out of your mouth. When one of the sometimes I laugh when he says big words on the podcast. I don't know. It always, always happens after I listen to Tim Ferriss. I'm gonna fit that one in there. Somewhere. Yeah, acquiesce. Yeah. What kind of great. organ is that? Is that by the pancreas? <laughs> one of the one of the first text exchanges you and I had. You said something about Christina having an abnormal number of S's <laughs> in her name. Mm-hmm. And I, and I said, and you have a paucity of letters in your name. And you said, I'm definitely going to pretend like I know what the word paucity means. <laughs> <laughs> well, shit, I think it's a good place to wrap. We got three minutes before Dr. Kirk and Christina got to jump on Facebook Live. So um, where can people find us all on? Obviously, everybody follows JP, so that's not necessary. But let's start with Dr. Kirk. Social media, websites, anything you want to promote. Uh, docparsley.com is my site. Uh, what, what she'll say, Wealthy Wealthy is, as our brand. It's what we're working on. That's, that's more of me than the Doc Parsley. Two wealthies is more wealthy than one wealthy. Well, it's, it's wealthy and then the wealthy because it's wealth and health. So it's just a different way of spelling healthy Uh is W-E-L-L-T-H-Y. But I'll let her talk about that. But I'm, my, all my platforms are around Doc Parsley. So pretty easy to find. Put that in Google. (laughs) Mine's easy, Christina.com, which is a K and two S's, an abnormal number of S's in my name. <laughs> as JP so put it. pretentious of you, Christina. <laughs> I know, I know. Have to be different, right? To stand out. Anyway. Oh, um, so you guys oh, can I find- didn't give them the URL for Wealthy Wealthy. Oh, well, Christina.com goes to Wealthy Wealthy. Oh. There you go. There you go. Then we so don't have to figure out the to spell. spelling. Exactly. We're going to link to all this in the show notes for people <laughs> driving their car right now. Oh. Uh, you guys can find me at epicself.com and same thing on Instagram, epicself and Amber Sears on Facebook. Phenomenal yoga poses. I'm a huge fan. Oh, thank I'm you. A little creeper. Been following you for a while. <laughs> uh, Natasha Kingsbury. I'm mostly post uh, stuff with family and kids and um, all the stuff we're working on with teaching him how to be mindful and do breath work and choking Kyle out. So (laughs) sounds fun. It's got to be balanced. Yeah. (laughs) And JP, in case somebody is living under a rock and doesn't already follow you, where can people find you online? And I am offended if someone doesn't follow me. It's my inner narcissism. Yeah. I'm, (laughs) I'm awakened with JP on all social media. And Kyle, thank you for having us, brother. Love you. Love the Onnit family. Thank you, brother. Yeah, Love you guys. Thank you all so much. It's been a blast. We'll run it back again in the future. All right. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you guys for tuning in. I hope you were able to take away some key bullet points on ways to improve your life and get the most out of this experience. And as always, if you're looking to do that uh, from a knowledge standpoint or a physical standpoint, onnit.com is your place. If you want a discount on all supplements and food products, go to onnit.com slash podcast for 10% off. Thanks for tuning in.